praise him in advance. You know, as I was here, even in worship, thinking about all that has been going through, I thought about Romans 8. Now, this is, this is not my sermon, but this is something I need to just say quickly. In Romans, you have what's going on, persecution. You have people dying for their faith. You have people being killed and threatened for their faith. But in response to all that's been going through, Paul in his message to the Romans says, says, what shall we say then in response to these things? And what he says, he says, if God before us, who can be against us? He who did not even spare his own son, but graciously gave us all things will he not give it to us and then he goes on and on and says even through it all he says how we're like sheep brought before a slaughter but he says no in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us and that nothing can separate us neither life nor death nor angels nor demons nor principalities nor powers nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord so no matter what's going on no matter what the news says, no matter what we may hear, no matter what may surround us, though the enemies may try to come around and come in like a flood, the Lord will still lift up his hand. If he is for us, who can be against us? He loves us. Nothing, nothing can separate us. So let's be encouraged today. Let's continue to praise him because nothing will separate us from his love. Amen. You can be seated. That was my freebie. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God that his love and his grace and his mercies. And thank God that he is with us and for us. And he continues to keep us in the midst of it all. Now, what I want to share with you for you today, um, I'm just going to be sharing for a little while. As I was reading my devotionals this week, I've been reading Second Chronicles. And for those of you who may or may not know, Second Chronicles is a book in the Bible, and it really describes the kings, and it kind of focuses more so on the kings of Judah, of the kingdom of Judah. So it focuses on, on David and on his lineage, his, his children after him, and how they ran the kingdom. And... What's interesting is you get to a point at, in, when it looks like the kingdom of David is getting threatened. In chapter 23 of Second Chronicles, it looks like the kingdom of David is getting threatened um, because, because um, one king ended up getting, dying and getting killed. And the mother, the mother one of the mothers decided to start killing all the children of Judah as a result, so that she could take the throne. So it looks like Judah was about to be, the kingdom of Judah was about to be destroyed. But God had it so that he used the high priest to kind of spare his son, kind of spare one of the sons. So you have Joash who comes, and after seven years of, after seven years after what happened, Joash gets risen up and he becomes the king and, and the mother gets the mother gets t taken and the kingdom of God is restored with through this, this show as. And you have his, his in chapter 24, you, you see his life. And you see what he does and what he does to restore God and restore the people and restore the kingdom. But something happens. The high priest dies and all of a sudden now, instead of following after God, he follows after the people. And the people start leading him to idolatry. And then he dies. But then his son, Amaziah, comes. 
and God uses him and he begins to fight for the Lord and, and, and to follow after God and, and begins to restore people and begins to build up the kingdom so much so that they were able to go into wars and they were able to defeat the enemies and he even at one point defeated the Edomites. But then, and, 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 and this is chapter 25, in chapter 25 you find out that he, that he ends up taking the gods of the Edomites and ends up worshiping them instead of the God that helped him. And then as a result, he loses the kingdom and he dies. And then finally you have Uzziah, whose son comes up after him. And he begins to say, no, we're going to restore the kingdom and we're going to restore. And he reigns for a very long time, almost 52 years. And he's, God is using him to really restore Israel, build them up. And they became a strong and powerful nation. And what happens after a while, the scripture says that pride came into his heart. And when the pride came in, he too began to worship, do, do things his way and worship other gods. And, and as a result, he f- fell into leprosy and died. And I'm reading these stories, and there's other stories that you go on and you read on in Kings of people just, and it just kind of, for me, it just kind of bugged me out to not be able to say it any other way. It really bugged me out because I said, here it is, these people who, who, who started right. They were on it. They were doing it. They were following out the God. They were rebuilding. God was blessing them. They were getting, you know, like we talked about this year. This is our sweet 16. They were getting into their sweet 16. But something happened along the way, and it threw them off. And they threw them off. And as I began praying, I'm like, Lord, what, what happened? I don't under, under, understand what happened to these people. And you read on, even other kings, you read after that, Hezekiah was, was a great king. And God did a great revival in him. But at the end, even he messed up at the end. And then you have a, the king, his son after him did the opposite. He was horrible. And then at the end, he got it right. And then, then after that, you have Josiah, which brought a great revival in the nation that God spared judgment against the nation because of him. But then, at the, but then his life was cut short because he made one mistake. So you see all these things and you're saying, God, what, what, you know, what, what are you telling me? And as I began to read and I began to look at Jesus, the one thing that kept on to me, see, the, the problem with these kings and the problem that happens with us in general is that we lose our salt. We lose our salt. What am I talking about? I'm going to get there. Well, let me first read for you. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 34. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 34. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. Saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off. 
I will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give everything up you have cannot be my disciples. And here's the main verse. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Let me read that one more time. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Again, these people lost their salt. What are we talking about here? Well, in ancient times and even still in some ways today, salt was very valuable, especially in ancient times, because it was used as a preserver of food, and that was needed because obviously they didn't have refrigeration like we have now, right? So they needed to preserve their food, so salt became important for preservation, salt became important for seasoning, a lot of us know about that, some of us get in trouble because of it, can we get an amen? I know every now and then I do, I'm sorry. <laughs> so you know, salt is a, a seasoning, so preserve. And it's seasoned. They also used to use it as a fertilizer. So they used to use it to be able to help with plants and to be able to grow. And as you call it, this is an agricultural society. So that's why salt also became important as a fertilizer. And it was also, interesting enough, a catalyst. It was used for fire, to be able to start fires. So it was very potent. It was very powerful. It was used significantly even in, in covenants. That's how valuable they thought it was, that it was using as a part of a covenant ceremonies and agreements. So salt is very valuable. But what's interesting here is that it talks about the salt will lose its, its favor. Now some people may like, you know, if you look at you look at table salt today, it's like, you know, table salt doesn't lose its its flavor. How do you how do you, how does table salt lose its flavor? Well one of the things that scholars believe is that in there's a certain area there was a certain area in the Dead Sea where there used to be these minerals that were called salt. And the salts were very good, and then they would use these salts. But what would happen is if the salts would end up falling on the ground or end up exposed to the sun too much, the, the salts would literally degrade and literally lose its potency, lose its importance. And literally would then what would happen is if it was just left there, uh, left there, it would actually begin to damage the area that it was at. It would damage the land. It would damage it. So that's why that's why it was, when they would say they would say it just needs to get through. It would just you have to throw it out because you cannot keep it where it was. It had to be thrown out. So the so when he so many people believe when Jesus is talking about salt losing its favor, it's not talking about our regular salt. It's talking about this side of salt. But what does that salt represent for us? As it represented for them a preservation, and it represented for them its, its ability to build fires and, and preserve, it represents for us our passion. It represents for us our purpose. It represents for us well, what some people like to call our edge. Salt for us is our edge, it's our purpose, it's our promise. It is what God has given us, what God has enabled us, what God has blessed us, what God is doing in and through us. That is our salt, and our salt is ultimately Christ himself. Our salt is Christ, our purpose, our passion in him. He's the one who makes us. Be able to be salty. Who makes us useful? He gives us purpose. He gives us passion. He gives us the ability. These kings that I talked about in in First Kings, and like I said, you can read it in chapters twenty four through twenty six. They all were doing great things. They were able to do things as God blessed 
kept on, as God enabled them, as God protected them, they were able to do great things and build the kingdom and do so great much. Why? Because when they were in Christ, and each and every, and each and every one of them, and you're gonna read this, and you read this, and you just go through the Book of Kings. There's gonna be two type of kings that you're gonna always find: the Book of Kings and the Book of Chronicles. There's gonna be one that said, "Those who followed the way of the Lord." And who did right. And then there's going to be those who did not follow the way of the world. Who did wicked. And you will always see the distinction. Because with those who followed the Lord, God blessed. But with those who didn't, there was a mess. Can I get an amen? Amen. He gives, he makes, he is our salt. He is our purpose. He is our passion. He is the one who makes us effective. We've been talking about this is our sweet 16. Our sweet 16 is always found in him. It's found in following him. It's found in relying on him. It's found in him and in him alone. But what can happen and what's the danger of happening and, and what Jesus was describing here is that what can happen to us is we can lose our salt. We can lose our purpose. We can lose our passion. We can lose our edge. Can I get an amen on that one? Because I know because I've been there. I've been there, done that. I wrote the book on it. I can tell the story. I can sing the song. Let me tell you. We've been there. And many of us has been there to a place where we feel like, we're losing it. And why does that happen? Well, if you look beforehand, I love what this happens. Beforehand, um, Christ is dealing with, with a bunch of Pharisees and leaders, and they're, they're having issues, issues basically literally about each other and about other peoples, about Jews and about Gentiles. And one of the things he's trying to teach them is teaching them about humility. And so, and so one of the things that Jesus talks about is a banquet. It's a banquet. And so he, he uses a, um, an analogy as of a banquet. And one of the, the people, Pharisees came out and said, well, blessed is the banquet that's going to take place in heaven. And so Jesus begins to challenge, challenge this man's statement. And he basically says, he says, a king held a great banquet. And in this, and in this banquet, he invited his people. And of course, but his people, as he gave the invitation, they all had different excuses. And one and different excuses. And what's interesting is these excuses do not seem bad excuses. The first one came out and said, "Listen, I just bought a field, so I had to work on my field." So he said, "He you might as well say, you could put it to it. He bought a new house, so of course you buy a new house. You got to work on the house. So and listen, and it's right and it's good. I got to go work in my house." And then the next one, next one sends a response to his invitation and says, I would love to come, but I can't come because I just bought a bunch of oxen and I need to take care of the oxen. So in other words, he had to work. He had to go to work. He had to work that job. And some of us who know about that, we got to work. Some of us got to work two or three jobs. We got to work that job. <laughs> we got to make that money. We got to do what we got to do. And the last one is my personal favorite. He said, I got married. <laughs> I remember that, yes. <laughs> Every now and then I still say, I got to get away. I'm married. <laughs> I got to get away. I got to marry. I can't deal with this right now. I'm married. Again, all good things. There's nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves. But what happens is, is they, what happens is they become our salt instead of 
Christ. So in other words, what we end up doing is not that these things are bad and not that we shouldn't take care of our home, not that we shouldn't take care of, of our work, not that we shouldn't take care of our family and of our, of our marriage, but when they become your salt, when they become your purpose, when they become all that you're about, when you allow those things to consume you, then you lose your real edge. You lose your real salt. You become useless. And I believe that's what happens to a lot of us. A lot of us, we want to follow after God. We desire to follow after God, but stuff comes. And not all of it is sin. And there is sin, and you have to deal with sin. And like I said, some of these kings were dealing with sin. They went and offered them things they weren't supposed to do. But sometimes it's just even the quote-unquote good things. That distract us from following after our son, following after our purpose, and then we become useless. You know, one of, one of the one of the things I was dealing with one of my coworkers is that that he was getting um frustrated at his at his job, and it was just driving him crazy. And I went and began to talk with him and said, you know, what's going on? What's going on? Because he was dealing with database and he was doing um, entries and it was, he was a records administrator. And it was frustrating him. And I said, you know, when I began talking with him, I said, well, what about the job is it that you like? And do you like anything about the job? And he says, I like it when I'm with the kids. And so when I'm with the kids. So then we finally came out and said, well, maybe, maybe you need to, to change your position. And so this person was doing administration, but then finally like talked to the director and became ended up becoming a case manager and said, now case managers still do paperwork, but that's not your focus. The focus is the kids. Let me tell you, this person bloomed. Bloomed. This person became case manager extraordinaire. Came out of a place of frustration of just doing nothing and became case manager extraordinaire. Why? Because she found her salt. And she focused on her, she focused on that which God had given her to do. And with us, God is calling us. We need to look at our salt. We need to look at our passion. And we need to look at him. Well, how do we not lose our salt? Well, the way it happens is, is what happened in the scriptures before. He said, and starting in verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, Brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. I know these are strong words. He's saying shouting words. I know I was, I got more happier response when I was talking about of God before us who can be against us, right? <laughs> but this is the reality. He says, if you want to, if you want to be, continue to keep your salt, you have to remember to keep God first. You have to remember to keep him first. Now, the scripture here, obviously when it talks about hate, it's obviously rhetorical, it's allegorical, it's not literally telling you to hate him. But he said, but what it's literally saying is keep him first. Now, part of the reason why we lose our salt is because we allow other things to take, take, take our lives. You know, one of the things I think I was talking with Dwayne, and one of the things that Dwayne was saying one time that kind of stood out to me, it says, you know, we never have time for anything. We never have time for anything. All we have is 24 hours, four hours in a day. But, the reality, but then he came and said, but the reality is we do have time 
It's just how we use it. See, time, that's why time management becomes important. Because time, because the truth of the matter is not that we don't have time. It's just that the, what we decide to do with it. I mean, half the t sometimes we say, well, we don't have time. We're doing this, we're doing that. One of the things I notice is the amount of time that people spend on Facebook is almost ridiculous. Now you think, no, I don't spend that much time on Facebook, but you know, you don't, you know, you can say you spend five minutes here, but the truth of the matter is you spend five minutes here, an hour later you spend five minutes there, an hour later you spend ten minutes there, an hour later, two hours later you might spend thirty minutes there, and before you know it, if you were to add up all those things within the twenty-four hours, you probably done spent four to five already just on Facebook. So it's not that we don't have time, it's just how do we use it? What do we dedicate it to? And when we're talking about salty, being salty and not keep, keeping our salt, it's what are we dedicating to the Lord? Are we dedicating Sunday only? Are we, getting up, are we, are we seeking God in the morning? Are we seeking him in the afternoon? Are we, are we just seeking him when troubles come? What is our first response? If our first response is to panic, if our first response is to call on this person, is our first response to do this, or is our first response is to say, Lord, help me. What is our response? Who are we realized? Who do we go to? Who do we truly love? Because what you love the most, that's where your time will be. What you love the most, that's where your resources will be. You want to see who you love or who you cherish or you care? Some people say, just look at your bank book. It will let you know. Look where you spend your time. It will let you know what you love the most. Anyone comes to me, does not hate father, mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be beyond disciple. Again, good things to love. Good things to love. But they cannot be your salt. They cannot be your salt. And then he goes on to say, and whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, now it's... Now when we talk about salt, it's not only is it do we need to make God first, but we need to be able to be willing and able to go through with him. Go through with him. Christ gave us an example on the cross. He bore our sins. He bore our pain. He bore our iniquity. Why? So that we can be free. So that we can. And what does he cause us to do? He calls us to carry as well. There's going to be some times for our salt, for our person, purpose, for our passion, that it's going to hurt. Can I get an amen on that one? It's not always going to be easy to do what God told you to do. It's not going to be easy to even do, to have that dream, to have that job, to have that whatever it is God has put in your heart to do. It's not going to always be easy. You're going to have to go through for it. You're going to have to suffer for it. One of the things that I've one of the things that um, is killing me, I'm telling you, is I'm trying to get my master's degree, and that thing is a killer. <laughs> if there's anyone that would teach you this, it's school. <laughs> An online school like that. Because online school is not like regular school. Because for some reason, online school, they double the work of a regular school. Why? Because you have half as much time to do it in, so now you've got to do double the work in less the time. And so it's just work upon work upon work upon work. And I tell you, I've been struggling, fighting, and I'm like, Lord, what is going on? And be, but the problem is because I have, to, I have to suffer for it. 
I have to put the time in. I have to put the work in. I can't do what I want to do like everybody else. Everybody else gets to go, gets to go hang out. I got to go study. Everybody else gets to watch TV for eight and ten hours. I can't watch no TV for no eight and ten hours. Eventually, that TV gonna have to go off if I want to get some work done. I can't be. I can't. I can't. You know, everybody else can go. Oh, let's go with go watch to the movies. Let's go do this. But I, I gotta go home. I gotta go home. I gotta work. I sometimes gotta sacrifice sleep. I wish I could do eight hours of the day, but this paper is due at 2.59 a.m. And if I don't get it in by 2.59 a.m., I'm losing points. So guess what I'm doing at 2.59 a.m.? Push the button! Because <laughs> I gotta get that paper in. But I do it because I know what's coming out in the end. Do we know who we have at the end? Do we know what we do? We know what our salt is, what our purpose is, what our passion is. Who do we have? If we have Christ, we have it all. So why can't we do it all for Him? Why can't we suffer for Him? Why can't we suffer for Him? Because as Paul, as as we quoted earlier, if God before us, who can be against us? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the world. So why can't we go through it for Him? Why can't we go through it for him? Why can't we do what needs to be done so that we can see his kingdom come and his will be done and to see him be glorified? Because when, we are, because then when he's glorified, guess what? We get blessed too. We become good soul and we get blessed abundantly. And then it goes on to say, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be bound my disciple. And then he, lastly he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. If you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000, if he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms and peace. In the same way, those of you who did not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. If you want to be salty, not only, not only do we have to say we have to make God first, not only do we say we have to go through, through it, but we have to count the cost. It's going to cost something. Like I said, I can't do everything just to get my degree. But even in, even in terms of following, following Christ, you can't do everything, even when it comes to following Christ. And, you can't, and what's even more difficult is you can't even do everything like anybody else. I can't do what Hostile Werner does, and if Hostile Werner can do everything that I do. Why? Because God is doing a work in her that's not the same as he's doing in me. Now he's doing a work in us as a body of Christ, calling us to be like him and like him and to do, to do his works. But the way he does it in us is not, the way he does it in me is not the way he does it in Alberta. It's not the way he does it in Debbie. It's not the way he does it in Tolu. It's not the way he does it in Barry. And so the things that we deal with and the things that we're called to and the things, things that, we, that we have to focus on are not going to always be the same. Can I get an amen? But that doesn't mean it ain't salty. That doesn't mean it ain't all good. That doesn't mean God can't get the glory out of it. But we have to follow what God has called us to follow. 
So, so, so that means we can't always compare ourselves to everyone else. We can't, and we can't always say, oh, that's the pastor, that's, that's not me. No, what God is calling you is what he's calling you to do. Why? Because he's calling us to be salty. He's calling us to be able to be of good use. He's calling us to be able to have passion, purpose, and promise. Because if not, you end up like those kings. And you end up, as much good as you try, you can easily end up lost. Because you have not chosen to even count the cost. And this is what's interesting, finally. All those, the first two, we talk about hate, you know, talk about make God first. And you're talking about, you know, giving of yourself to allowing yourself to be through. All of those you can kind of go through during. But when it comes to counting the cost, thank you. That's a now. Now. Now, it's something you have to remind yourself every now and then, probably, <laughs> to count the cost. But we need to do that and be able to be honest with ourselves now. Before you get into the deal. Before you, because a lot of us, I think what happens with a lot of us is we say, Yes, Lord, I want to do it. Yes, Lord, uh, I will follow you. Yes, Lord, we sang earlier. <laughs> Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come fill this place and flood the atmos atmosphere. Your presence is what my heart longs for. To be overcome. Yes. Over we be overcome with your presence while we're here. But then when God is calling us to our presence late at night at home, we want to go to bed. When we say, yes, Lord, we're here and say, yes, Lord, I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. And then we're at work and God is tugging your heart to go speak to your coworker. I don't want to do that right now. Why? Because we haven't counted the cost. The cost. We need to be able to be willing to say, no, Lord, really, no, really, I'll give myself to you. No, Lord, really, really, I do want your presence. So, Lord, I'm going to really do what it takes to do. So if it, means, if it means I need to sacrifice this time, if it means I need to sacrifice this show, if it means, if it means that even though I'm, af I'm afraid and scared, I'm going to do what you have called me to do anyway, well, you know what, if that's, if that's what it takes... If that's what it takes. Why? Because I need to be salty. When salt loses its faith, you know what it is to be some, some, someone that who has a purpose, who has a destiny, has a promise, but then ends up feeling like nothing? Because I know, I know, I know, I, I cannot be the only one who's ever been, been at their job or been at school or been, even been at home and get to a place where you're like, why am I here again? Why am I here again? What am I doing this for? Why is this? I feel useless. And you feel that way simply because it's usually always because one of those three things. Either because you did not, either because you did not make it first. You did not make him first. You did not suffer with him. When the troubles came, you ran away. Or because you didn't really count the cost. And he says, again in the end, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, 
how can it be made salty again? But what I love about God is that he can make it salty again. He can make it salty again. I remember I was in a place, and I'll never forget this, and I'm getting ready to close in a little while. I remember being in a place where I literally ran away from God. I literally got to a place, and it was really because of, of the second point. Troubles came in my life, and I got overwhelmed by it. And so I said, I just don't want to deal with God right now. And for months, I was just like not going to church. And Pastor remembers that time because <laughs> he knew me back then. I was just not going to church. I was just not doing anything. I was supposed to be in school. I ended up dropping out of school and, and wasn't even really in school. Just just kind of there, just at mom's house and, and just living there and just trying to figure things out. And I was just coming, going into a low place. A low pace. But what I love about God is that even in that place, I knew he was there. And at some point, he used to, some points he used to annoy me. Because, you know, I really wanted to avoid him. I really was like, I don't want to deal. But still, I would hear a gospel song somewhere. Still, somebody would have the nerve to talk about. Even sometimes my mother would try to tell me something. And my mother was even a Christian. <laughs> And she, and, she, and she would start asking questions, start telling me, you know, no seek and pray. And I'm looking at her like, woman, what are you telling me to seek and pray? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it just kept on and kept on. And sometimes I would try to, like, sneak up, try to start to pray. But then I would feel the presence of God and say, oh, no, I can't. No, 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 don't, 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 don't speak to me. Don't, <laughs> I'm run away. I, because... Why? Because I was afraid of the cost. I was afraid of what it, what it would do. But I thank God that one day, you know, I think my pastor was involved in it. He's just, I don't know, even, I don't even remember how he did it, but he got me in church somehow. <laughs> he got me back in church in the one day. And I was just there. And as the word of God came forth, it was, again, his love. Again, his grace. Again, his mercy. And I just went back up there, went back up to the altar, and said, here am I. I said, I'm back. I'm sorry. I've lost. I didn't. I, I lost my purpose. I, I lost. I thought, you know, it was this. I thought it was that. But I just want to follow you. And from that day on, I have never been in a place like that again. Because God has been able to keep me. Why? Because I said, you know what? I ain't perfect, but I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go through. If I have to go through, I will go through. And if, I, and if, and if it costs me, then I'm going to take the cost. I'm going to give it all up for you. And I thank God that I'm still here today. I'm still loving the Lord. I'm still serving him. But I'm also blessed. And I'm salt. And I have purpose and life. And that's what my cry, and I believe is God's cry for us. That we will be salty. That we will live for him. That we will honor him. That we will go through with him. And that we would even count the calls, give it up for him. So that we can see, so that we can be ignited, so that we can be salty. And that we can see his kingdom come and his will be done. Amen? So in closing...
these kings, again, at some points, they were successful. They were able to do it. But they let the cares of this world, the life of this world, sin and so on, take them out of take them out of being able to love God above everything else. They let the struggles take them out and say, I'm not going to depend on God in, in the struggles. And they let the cares of this world say, I'm not going to give up these things for, for God. If you're like me, like I said, some points in your life, you've experienced this. But what I love about God is, again, like I said, he can restore. This sword, although it can lose its savor, it doesn't have to. That's the good news. You don't have to lose your savor. And if you feel like you've lost it, you, you, truth of the matter is you haven't really lost it. Because if you have really lost it, you wouldn't even be here. God is still working. I always tell this people, a lot of people come to me and they say, you know, I feel so guilty about this sin and that sin and what I did or what I didn't do. And I said, I don't think God can forgive me. And I, and I, said, I said, you feel like guilty? You feel sad? You feel, you feel sad about what you did? They're like, yeah. I said, well then, let's, let me know already God's still at work in you. Because if you thought it was okay, there'd be a problem. But because you, you feel like there was something wrong, okay, God can work with that. Because he can work when we're humble. He can work when, when we submit to him. And that's what I want us to do. If you're willing to be able to say, Lord, I'm going to make you first. I'm not always done it, but today, starting today, I'm going to make you first, Lord. And what I'm going to go through with you. If I got to go through, then let me go through with you. And if, I'm, and if it's going to mean counting the cough, it means I have to give up something, then I'm going to give it up for you. So that I can be salty. So I can be purposeful. So I can have the passion and all that God has given me. If you're willing to do that with me, can you just stand with me? Just lift off our hands to the Lord and say, Father, Lord God, we thank you because you have called us to be salty. You have called us to be purposeful. You have called us to have passion. You have called us to be effective, Lord God. But sometimes because of life, because of sin, because of worries, because of just so many different things, Lord God, our edge, we lose our passion, we lose our purpose, Lord God. But Lord, I am come to you now, Lord God, because you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from our righteousness. We say, forgive us first of all when we haven't made you first. You said to, to Lord God, Jesus, 
hate everything else except for you, Lord God. Which means put you first, Lord God. Help us to put you first, Lord God, in our lives. Trust you for our family. Trust you for our loved ones. Trust you for our homes. Trust you for our lives. But put you first, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Lord God. Forgive us where we've run away because of the persecution, because of the trouble, because we didn't want to suffer. Help us. Help us. Lord God, forgive us and cleanse us, Lord God, and give us the grace again, Lord God. Your grace is more than sufficient that when we are weak, you become strong. And forgive us, Lord God, even when we haven't counted the cost and we haven't given up or haven't let go of those things which are holding us back from following you. Forgive us. Because you want us to be salty again. You want us to be good, good news. You want us, Lord God, to see you do above and beyond what we can even ask to think in and through us, Lord God. So we give ourselves to you again. We say renew us, restore us, Lord God. We make us salty again, Lord God, for your glory and for your honor, Lord God. That your kingdom come, that, that your will be done, that you be lifted up, Lord God. And we trust you and believe you, Lord God, to that you that has begun a good work will continue to perform it. That eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men all that you have in store for us. But you have so much more in store. So we thank you for this is R316, Lord God. And the best is yet to come, Lord God Jesus, as we just continue to give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.